0: Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. My name's Winter Fonander, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. So welcome to the show, guys. This is episode 45. A bit of an announcement before we go on. I'm going to be releasing 50 of these podcasts, and after the 50th one, I'm going to reduce it down to one a month. Because I don't have any minions. I'm doing all the work myself. I'm editing it. I'm going to interview these people and I've got loads of work in at the moment and long may it last. So I can't commit to doing a weekly podcast anymore. I would like a minion. Minions sound great though. (laughs) But after the 50th one, I've got a great guest on the 50th one He's a really good friend of mine, a very funny man. So we're going to go out with a bang. It's going to be really a lot of fun. So that is episode 50. But this episode is episode 45. With Mark Rowe. I met Mark at a gig about three months ago in Chipping Camden and he was great. I asked him how long he'd been going. He said under nine months. I was like, I need to talk to you. What do you do? What's your secret? What are you taking? Who do you know? So I got him on this podcast and I talked to him about stuff and quizzed him. And there's a couple of moments on this pod because Mark is involved with one of the promoters heavily. They are sponsoring his trip to Edinburgh and a documentary called The Long Road to Edinburgh. That's the documentary that he'll talk about. But it gets a bit tense because there's sometimes in this business, sometimes when you burn a bridge, sometimes you don't know you've burned a bridge, but there's other times when you know I've definitely not just burn that bridge, but had the torch, when you haven't just burned it, you've continued to pour petrol and dynamite on the bridge. That's one such instance I talk about in this pod, and it gets a bit tense because Mark's not sure where I'm going with it, but like, it was, it's all fine in the end, but you should enjoy this one. Mark's a really nice fella. Very open. I really enjoyed doing this pod. Now, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, all those places. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Phone Under. Now, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and you can donate as little as a pound or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. And those of you that do donate, thank you, because you're paying for the people that can't. And those of you that can't donate, share your favourite episode, tell your friends about it, and maybe consider joining the Comedy Defect Facebook group to see when the next pod is coming up. As I say, after episode 50, they're going to be monthly, and it'll be the last Wednesday of the month. I'm going to be still looking through that Guinness Encyclopedia, taking out as many jokes as I can, and putting them up on Twitter under the title, The Book Dad Read, and the handle for that is at Guinness Jokes. Now this is a great pod with a very funny, the very likable, and incredibly new Mr. Mark Rowe. Mark Rowe, welcome to the Calm Defect. How do you, doing, man? You're
1: right. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. And what have you been up to? Plenty of gigs at the minute. Mm. Um, just trying. I'm getting ready for the. Debut Edinburgh yes. experience, so I'm just trying to get as much in as I possibly can at the moment, building up the time, trying to get the show together, and getting all around the country, trying to do it.
0: You've got a Facebook group called the Road to Edinburgh. The, the right? long
1: road, yeah. A one, the long road to Edinburgh. Mm. So um, the idea behind that was at the beginning of this year, so last last September, I'd got no experience of stand up whatsoever. September last year. September last year, yeah. I've never been on stage doing stand up. Wow. And I had this idea to spend a year trying to learn the craft and learn how to do it but I needed a deadline I needed something that was going to make me get out and do it and I kind of figured the Edinburgh Festival biggest and best and baddest deadline you could possibly come up with I determined that I was going to book a show at Edinburgh I was going to go up there and I was going to do that so the whole year has been about filming that journey following that story of starting from nothing and trying to get to Edinburgh for the summer that's great man I mean we met at a gig about maybe two months ago or so now. Yeah, just in Camden, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It
0: was a really good, lovely gig, really lovely gig. Yeah, really and lovely. you did great. I was like, you've only been doing this since September. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of jealous. <laughs> I was going, I was like, wow, this guy's great yeah, already. You no, know I mean, like you know, it's it takes I mean, for me, it's it it's taking a long time, you know, to get where I feel that I'm com- comfortable and confident on the stage. But you, you're doing great, man. I mean, I saw your stuff and it was really solid. And you know, you just let them come to you. You didn't try and force it.
1: Yeah, so at that point, that was sort of four months in. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just just really rub it in. Help me, me, here. Really here. In. No, help me just, here, Mark. Yeah, that so was me. only four months. Uh, <laughs> check me out now. Uh, yeah,
0: that's <laughs> no, well, long way to <laughs> continue, Mark. Long way <laughs> continue.
1: <laughs> Well, oh, that's great, though. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just Paul Smoker. Your you you're great. You did great. It, didn't, it doesn't always feel like that, to be honest. Mm. It feels very much like I'm trying to find my feet the whole time. Mm. You know, there are good gigs and there are bad gigs, and as everybody has. Mm. But I guess when you're trying to do it all on fast forward like this, the good gigs feel really good mm. and the bad gigs feel really bad. Mm. And everything seems a little bit more extreme than if you're perhaps just going along, finding your way without the pressure of everything else that I've put on my own shoulders, really. Do you work as well at the same time, or have you been, what what do you do? So I'm a teacher in real life, in Mm. real life I'm a teacher, yeah. They've just found out actually, because we're just the other side of the Easter holidays, so we did a little bit of of promotion over Easter, so it got into the local papers Mm. and radio and all that kind of stuff. So the kids now at school have just found out that I'm doing this comedy stuff, mm. and obviously I'm fighting off questions in the classroom mm. and all that kind of stuff, trying to get on with my actual mm. job. <laughs> and they're all like, "Sir, tell us a joke." <laughs> oh, kind of stuff, so. <laughs> like heckling you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're, yeah they're that's the true. best hecklers in the world yeah, totally. students. Yeah, you've yeah. got nothing to fear from a comedy crowd when you've been in a classroom with kids shouting at you. It's fine, relentless. Like, I mean, there's so many <laughs> acts on the
0: circuit as well, and they there's loads of teachers, and it gives you. It's like a lot. Of, there's a lot of vicars as well. And it gives you such experience when it comes to working a crowd. Yeah. And like when people pipe up and you got going to put them down but do nicely. and not don't, don't crush them but just...
1: Yeah, everyone wants to be having fun, don't they? Yeah. You don't want one person... You don't want to be... Most people are having fun at one person's expense. Yeah. You want everyone to be having fun. Yeah. And I guess that's the same in the classroom. It's yeah. interesting you said about, you know, reverence and... You know, it's people who who are used to standing up and mm. talking and yeah. also reacting to what's going on in the room and responding to what's going mm. on in the room at the time. And I think that's where the parallels are. And what is it you teach? Uh, drama. Oh, nice! Drama, oh, yeah. So you're so, cheating! <laughs> it. So I so was like, oh, he's great, he's great. He's never stepped on a stage in his life.
0: He's got no experience. He's like, oh, you know, he's just doing so great. And he's got all this this background in drama and, and performance. All right, okay, now it's all coming now, together.
1: Now here comes the trick. Yeah, so um, that's, that's true. Yes, I so customer, by the way. I, I, I I see you, you later, get out the door. <laughs> um, no, I have been on stage and yeah. uh, I'm sort of fairly used to performance and standing up in front of people. But to be honest, the actual idea of stand-up itself Terrified me because as as an actor, you hide behind a character and you know you've got all your lines that somebody else has written for you, Mm. Uh, and and in a a lot of ways, not quite so much is at stake. Mm. But when you put yourself out there and you say, Right, these are my thoughts, these are my ideas, this is what I think is funny, and Mm. I'm gonna make you laugh. That's, that's kind of dangerous. And I found, that, I found that quite scary and quite intimidating. And I've been saying for a long time before doing this project that I will do stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and not doing it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when, when I first got into it, I needed something that was going to make me do it, that was going to motivate me to do it. And I kind of figured this was a good way of going about it. You were being, is it sponsored by the Comedy Cow? Yeah, nice. so they've yeah, they've been back in the, they've been fantastic, at, back in the project all the way through. So Comedy Carol Milton Keynes, they've yeah. got a couple of nights that they run every month in Milton Keynes and mm-hmm. have some really good comedians down there. Mm-hmm. So they've done several things for me. A that they've put some money into the Edinburgh show which is great, which means that the pressure's off a little bit in terms of, you know, accommodation and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. B, they've given me stage time and Mm. given me opportunities and that was partly putting me on their their current shows but they've also put on some nights especially for the documentary and things like that so that we can... It's really hard when you go and film, when you're doing all these open mics down in London and things like that you can film your set quite easily Mm -hmm. but capturing what the night is like and capturing what the audience's experience of the night is like is quite difficult actually Mm. to just turn up, set up, capture everything and then disappear again. Mm. So we put on some nights specially for the documentary so that we can give that real experience of what it's like being in the audience at Mm. one of these nights. But also what they've given me is access to to really, really good comedians, Mm. really top end comedians who have been lovely in helping and and sitting down and taking their time to talk to me. Mm. Whether it's on camera or whether it's just having a chat actually off stage and giving me advice and encouragement and support all the way along the way it has been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Most people are absolutely lovely, you know, like in who, no matter how far up the ladder they are, they're just so down
0: to earth and humble because yeah. they've been through the mill, like, you know, you, as you're experiencing yourself along the way, you know. I mean, but like drama is like the same thing. It's enough knockbacks and failure and that just to, just stands you in a good stead for any
1: situation of life. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Like you say, I mean, everyone has been really lovely and really supportive. Mm. They've all got their own kind of stories to tell of when it's been tough and when it's been hard and they've got advice about how you can avoid some of those... There's going to be difficult situations along the way. Yeah, there are. For me, making a documentary, if there wasn't, it would be a pretty rubbish documentary, actually. I see one uh, situation that I
0: had with... Actually... The promoter of The Comedy Cow, actually. And, yeah, so let me tell you this. Okay. <laughs> you know, you go through the, your comedy career and you try not to burn any bridge. You may burn bridges you don't even know about. Yeah. But there are bridges that you are fully aware that you have <laughs> torched completely. <laughs> and I think that the bridge that I've burned the most, and I've totally been aware of it, is with myself and Steve Powell, the guy from The Comedy Cow. Okay. All right? And this... No, this is it. He's a lovely guy, right? i tell you what happened was, you know that gung show in in the casino is it still going no they used to do oh thank god but it's so, gone yeah. I'm glad it's gone it's the, the worst place to do a gong show oh because people want comedy that are in a casino who are going to be losing loads of money exactly you know, the only they're cheerful yeah only yeah. <laughs> the people there that goes happy goes home happy are the people that work there and the owners of the casino yeah but like so I did that gong show I did my my three minutes which were with grace and then got gongs off but the reason was uh, the, the situation happened. Steve had just come up back from an interview or something like this, right? And, right. and I, d- I didn't think he was happy about it because he just come from Wales, whatever it was. And I had friends of mine used to work with. I used to work with. I used to work with these guys, and they're all Muslims, right? Okay. And they were all on shift work with me, and they're like, "You won't." And they said to me, "We're in Ramadan, but you won't be able to do it." And I was like, okay, that's a challenge. I accept that challenge. I'm going to do it with you guys. So I did Ram down, but I was also gigging at the same time. And so I hadn't eaten anything or drunken anything uh, for the entire day until, I, until the sun went down. Yeah. And so I was like a bit, a bit wired. And so I did the gong show, right? And not anything, drunk anything. Didn't do well. And then came off and, uh, and, and then Lucy Thompson, great. She went on after me. Did great. Yeah, and and they, they'd they already been whipped up into a frenzy and they'd all, they had a bit of blood with me and they saw that they pissed me mm-hmm. off right and so and, and and I was like I didn't take it well at all it wasn't one of those moments I took away Grace I went okay okay. okay guys it's your night I was like oh fuck you you know that kind of thing and like there was a group of lads and the, 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 the MC roiled up into like baiting you know and I was like oh and then so I walked off and then there's a little bit backstage, you know, the, the right, hand, the left hand side. I think you might have been there, maybe, Mark. No, I,
1: no. I never went
0: to the. I never saw these gigs
1: at the casino. Right. I keep hearing about. them. Yeah. I keep right. hearing bad stories. I, about them.
0: I went down to the the back corner where Steve was, and he, and, and and then and then he was like, and after Lucy done her five minutes and gone through, he was like, "That's how you do it." <laughs> and I was like, and I was just so <laughs> not in the mood for to to hear that that moment of of, <laughs> of critique, you know, and I was just like, oh, and. I looked at him I went thanks Steve thanks that's great but on the edge of rage you know yeah, just yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the mist was there and I was like and he's, and, and I was like oh, <laughs> I'm burning this bridge now I'm never going to get another gig from this guy and that is how it is I'd love to get Steve on this podcast actually and to talk about that because because I keep emailing him for gigs and I, I've emailed him about in the last couple of months and go hey Steve look I'm not doing Ramadan again uh, uh, <laughs> any, I, <laughs> any chance of having uh, a spot look I, I kind of I was hungry, I hadn't drunk anything, you know, you just come back from Wales for an interview. We were in a perfect storm and they're like, and then they try to, you know, you try to make it better after you can like, oh, so any spots going in the next few? And, and you know you
1: should just the walk record, away. Just <laughs> leave. Just <laughs> back away just, from just, the fire. And
0: you're, so, you're <laughs> so threatening but you're just trying to make a connection still but it's not happening. And you just you just make it worse and every moment, I saw I think his parents were there as well actually that night uh, and they were like, they, I could see the look in their eyes like, this guy, has got a problem and the problem was I hadn't eaten or drunk or anything but that's my story when it comes to family <laughs> out. so I find it I find it hilarious like I mean it just
1: like I'm sure I've
0: burned other bridges but I'm so that's aware that's the one that
1: you knew as it was happening you're thinking this is not going to work this is no. never going to happen again you're never going to they might never
0: book me again they booked me a couple of times before the casino but but after that moment I've I've just been getting radio silence you know so oh, that's okay yeah. but that's how it is but hey look this is how it goes no no don't worry I'm not making you awkward I'm not coming here. I'm not coming no no no, oh, no 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 it's, that's my thing that's my totally yeah, my yeah. thing that's nothing to do with you that's just my uh, they're, they're great I'm glad they're helping you man I mean look that was my oh, fully my fault I did Ramadan and I hadn't <laughs> eaten anything or drunk anything and I did a gig and and it didn't go great. And so, oh, yeah, so I'm going to be able to control my temper. Mm. Uh, and, like, you know, but, but I don't do that now. So I, I kind of like to eat before I go on. You know, it's a
1: good idea. Do, you, do know? you know what? I didn't, for ages when I first started out, I wouldn't eat. Like, I couldn't eat. That's when I noticed that I was actually starting to to get the nerves under control mm. and things like that. And I was like, oh, I'm quite hungry. Before mm. going, like, I could eat something now. I mm. could have something to yeah, because for, for ages I just wouldn't, wouldn't eat at all. And I was getting back from London at sort of one in the morning and going, gee, I haven't eaten yeah. since, I, I haven't eaten at all. Yeah. Not so much all day
0: though, but... You, you eat like much, much later, isn't it? Are you get yeah. a celebratory uh, like chicken box and chips uh, <laughs> to yeah, Which you could to go, God, I, just, I think I might need, maybe it needs a little bit more salt. Maybe just, you know, again, a little like the, drizzling of, of glazed the, sugar the or something. The lifestyle is
1: not a healthy, not the, the lifestyle of a comedian is not a healthy yeah. lifestyle. Because you're hanging out in pubs and bars where you're going to have a pint, maybe two pints before your gig. Coming home, eating fast food, on the way, late at night, yeah, it's not good. Okay. Lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. What, you know, there has to be something really, really good about it, doesn't there, that makes you go through all that. There's the archetype of
0: uh, of like, oh, you know that, yeah, this comedian, he's a little bit overweight. He looks funny. You're, yeah, that you're
1: already uh, losing the, the the fight with your, your physicality. Oh, do you know what, it's funny you say that, because coming out of because obviously I'm a uh, small background in acting and things like that and you think oh my god you know you have to try and keep fit I was rubbish I was never fit and in shape and all that kind of mm. stuff but it's a constant pressure it's a mm. you think about body image and things like that and uh, for comedy, I was like, oh, that's all right. <laughs> I can
0: do what I want now. That's it. I mean, I, I might just start damaging of myself. Yeah, just, just
1: to, for the laugh. Yeah, just for the hook. it's you know, funny. Yeah.
0: Okay, the small acting thing. Let's talk about that. What was the... Oh,
1: thing? no, I mean I mean small. Like, as a teenager, I did sort of bit parts in the, the extra work on mm. things, like, the, you know, the bill and a couple of other mm. TV, thing, a couple of adverts and things like that. Mm. Yeah, and then I didn't do anything for for ages and ages and ages. And... Got into teaching and and did all that and it pays the bills Mm and, uh, you know, when you've got kids and a wife and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, you need a stable job and acting is anything but stable. Mm -hmm. But I changed schools and when I went to interview, actually it's not the one that I ended up going to, but I went to do this interview and the head teacher there said to me, "Okay, so we know about your teaching and blah, blah. What do you do acting wise outside of school then? And I thought, oh, I haven't done anything for years years, and I should have done. Why haven't I? And then Mm. I started to really question it. And I was Mm. like, if this is what I really love doing and and I'm really into, why aren't I doing some more of it? And then I started to really think, nobody's just going to come along and knock on your door and go, by the way, do you want to come and be an actor Mm. and sack off teaching and not do that anymore? Mm. You need to kind of make it happen. Mm. I set up my own theatre company called Fortune's Full. And I was just coming off the back of doing an MA in Shakespeare and Education mm-hmm. as well. So I had this idea that we could create a theatre company that, that would do performances, but would also be able to kind of tour schools and get the kids involved in the performances a little bit, and you've got mm-hmm. actors going out. and doing... So we started along that route, and then I started to think, actually, theatre and education is a fantastic thing. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing, but I've seen people doing years and years of working in theater and education to build up their company. and I thought I could spend the next 10, 15 years building this theater and education company that brings kids in and gives them a chance to perform. Mm. but it's still not really doing what I want to do, which is to be out there performing and do, you know doing of all of that kind of stuff. So I kind of backed away from it. We ended up just, we put on a show We did there's a company called the Reduced Shakespeare Company who do the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged three actors do all 37 plays in 90 minutes, right? It's Whoa. just, you can imagine yeah, that yeah. it's not, it's not taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, fast paced and, mm-hmm. and comedic. <laughs> so we did that and I staged that over three nights uh, in, a, in the local theatre mm. um, and I loved it. It was brilliant getting back yeah. into performance and then just by chance, I got a chance to be in a, um, there was a feature film shot locally, mm. which was caught, it was actually called Fractured Minds. At the time of shooting, it was called 2025. Yeah. Uh, and the woman who wrote that, I knew for I used to do drama years ago with her daughter, and she asked me to go along and help with a, a reading of the script that they were filming just to try and get funding, to try and get backing. And from doing that reading, I actually ended up getting cast in the film, so we mm-hmm. made the film. That then meant that I'd met the director of that, the original director of that, because it actually changed midway through, and he and I got together and made a short film last year. And that was really the starting point of the, the comedy. We made the short film, I Dolan, and it was really doing that where he had got in touch with me and said, you've got three weeks to write the script for this because then we're going to start shooting it. And I was like, oh, man, that yeah. was mental. But we did it. And it was that deadline thing that I was talking about yeah, earlier yeah. of, right, okay, if I've got a really strong deadline, I'm going to do it and I will mm-hmm. get it done. And that's really where the idea for this all the yeah. Deadline thing is like, like again, Edinburgh, you're, like, you're terrified. you got to filling in that full hour, right? No, I'm going to do it. So my show's going to be 45 minutes. And each night I'm going to do half an hour. Yeah. And we'll have a different 15 minutes from acts that I've met along the way, cool. uh, people that have, yeah, helped, inspired, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Because I think that makes a nice, I think to do more than half an hour for me is it, a quality control thing. I think yeah. I'm ambitious, but I'm mm. also not stupid, you know, <laughs> and I think trying to do more than half an hour is just going to not work. Yeah. And. I like the story from the documentary of, look, and these are all the people that that are, mm. you know, because it, it's a community mm. and you get kind of welcomed into that community. And again, another idea behind the documentary was that I kind of figured the, the vast majority of people in the UK, I think, think about stand up as live at the Apollo or mock the week. Mm. And they think there's kind of this pool of maybe 40 or 50 fantastic TV comedians mm. who all have brilliant gigs every night and are all hilarious mm-hmm. and that's kind of it that's yeah. the sum total of what's and the untouchables kind e- of thing exactly it? yeah. yeah. That's it. and there's so many layers below that mm. of people who make a living at comedy people who do it because they love it mm. people who are kind of on their route, on their way mm. and i kind of figured it would be great to show that side mm. of things and i mm. think to do the show in edinburgh as it's called the long road to edinburgh to kind of get some of those people back mm. as part of it i think would be really really nice yeah that's right where's your room uh, so we'll be at Moriarty's. oh yeah approach, downstairs uh, downstairs in the cellar bar mm-hmm. Moriarty's. yeah at half seven every night which is a great time so i'm really pleased with that for the mm. type of stuff that i do yeah i think that just fits with 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 the type of comedy that i'm doing so I applied to the free festival and mm. you put your kind of four choices of bars and time slots and all that kind of stuff. Didn't get any of them mm. and was really panicking that, you know, we've put so much into doing this project mm-hmm. and we've told everyone that this is what we're doing, but what yeah. if I don't get a venue? How's mm-hmm. it going to work if I don't get a venue? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was March the 1st they said, you'll hear back by literally at kind of <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning on March the 1st. I was like, I haven't heard anything about mm-hmm. What's going on with mm-hmm. it? So I got this email that said, there's some slots still available. We'd love to have, we couldn't give you the slots that you wanted, but there are some slots available. But basically, everyone who hasn't got a slot is getting this email. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who applied late is getting this email, and it's now a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Go Get and fight barrier. over the slots. Yeah. And then it was just in my teaching job, I literally got that email 10 minutes before going into a parent's evening, mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to do this research, mm. I need to find mm. out where I'm going, but I need to do it quickly. And I had to sit for three hours talking to these parents, yeah. just <laughs> thinking, I don't want to talk to you, go away, because I've got a really important shit to do. And so I was like, oh. they, just disappeared. And they like Eventually it was over, I went straight home, and got on the computer, yeah. and I was like, got oh, a list of ten, I think, time slots that I thought would work, I put mm. them in order of preference. Sent them back over and got the t- got the first one, got the one that I really wanted. So I'm mm. delighted with that. Excellent. That's it. But like the uh, with the,
0: the the teachers, I mean, bear with me. Okay. The drama teacher, right? Yeah. Harris come in and go, oh, I'm gonna go see the fucking drama teacher now, isn't it? <laughs> like, what are they gonna say? Oh, he's like you know, he's too uh, energetic and what you know, what, too charismatic. Yeah. What? I mean, they don't expect anything massive from you, do they? Really? I mean, or but, do they?
1: No. Well. I don't know some of them don't even book appointments
0: <laughs> No, it's not, ma- it's not maths or English it's not I don't need to, to talk to you <laughs> it, isn't it yeah. it's like oh, how's his fun going his fun is going great you know, like, uh, and say, is, he, is he having a good
1: time is he, is he is he confident yeah he's too confident that's the problem but do you know what yeah. for most parents it's all about confidence yeah. and they love it they love people doing drama some of them sort of say oh I'm not I don't really see the academic value in doing drama. They should be concentrating on subjects that can get them jobs. And I'm like, man, that's so short-sighted. Because mm. actually, interviewers, courses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm. love seeing drama on there because of the skills that it gives you. Mm. So, but you know, being able to communicate, being able to work as part of a team. Mm. But I just feel like I'm giving you a pitch for you know sending your kids into drama now. But anyway, you don't have to roll that man. Hey, look, <laughs> my piece of bills. <laughs> <I, I? laughs> exactly, you know. And so there, there are all these things that drama does give them Mm. but the one that parents really cling on is they go I just wanted them to do it because they're not very confident Mm. and 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 really what you know watching them go through GCSEs in drama and coming Mm. out the other end and they say it makes a massive difference to them and it's not just in that classroom they then are Mm. able to do it in the other subjects that they do and in life outside and it's so important exactly you know it's like I wish they had the drama in in, when I was going to secondary school didn't yeah I was in Ireland but like
0: with the with the drama as well, it's like in every office environment, everyone lies. Yeah. You, you need to put the character on, the office character. This is who I am at work. I am this kind of shell yeah. that I need to just get on with the corporate stuff. And then outside of work, I'm a completely different person. So it's a very, like, so they can be that character. Drama is ideal. They're so confident now. But if you're not confident, hide it. Put this, yeah. this character that is, is confident, you know, into the world.
1: Put on a performance. Yeah, exactly. But then, that, you know, that's what I, you know. If we link it back to the comedy, people, mm. were, people were saying that at the start. You know, it just it doesn't matter if you're nervous. It doesn't matter if you're worried about what you're doing. You just hide it. You just exactly. cover it up. Mm-hmm. You just make them believe that you're having the time of your life. Yeah. And if they do that, then they'll probably have a good time too. Yeah. And you talk about your kids a lot in your act as well. Right? Yeah. 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 They get a hard time in my oh, act. How uh, we got? You got two kids got three ten. kids? Oh, right. Whoa. three kids. So I talk about. You know, basically the premise is that the first two were all right and then the third one came along and what a nightmare that yeah. is. Because he you know, he's he's two and a half now. He's quite strong willed, hmm. my my youngest one. He know but then he's got two older siblings that he's having to compete with, you know, so he's just come in and he's like, Right, well I'm not gonna get pushed to the side, I'm gonna yeah. tell you how it is. Mm-hmm. And he has got every single member of the family. But like, like, so my oldest is my daughter Uh, And she was very much a a daddy's girl, you know, Mm. very much all about me and blah, blah. And my wife just had to suck her up and deal with it. And then then the middle (laughs) one came along, my my oldest son, Mm. and uh, he was the complete opposite. He was all about mummy and blah, blah, blah. And so we kind of had one it. But Eli, my youngest one's come along and he's wrapped all of the other four of us all around his little finger, Amazing. and he's got everyone playing off against each other. He's like a little... Um, Kingpin. Yeah, 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 he knows exactly what he's doing. Wow. Such a... Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, obviously, I, I, uh, I talk about that, and talk about him, and talk about what he's doing, and how he's manipulating everyone. Yeah. Is a wife every kind of guy like you can Say that, you can't she <laughs> detailed <laughs> the material. Yeah. Well, no, except that so there's this true story right. uh, I don't know what I can talk about, I'm just gonna say it anything. Anything anyway. you want, anything. Okay. So I talk about how when your wife comes home from shopping, it's really annoying when you know they go, Guess how much you paid for this? Guess mm. how much better and so we do all this bit. When she came home one day, just completely out of the blue and went, Guess how much you paid for this? If you get it right, I'll give you a blowjob. Right? I was like, fucking hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> The pressure of that is yeah. because you're really trying to get it right. You're totally. really trying totally. to work it out. Right, so I've got this whole story, this bit on that that I tell.
0: That's <clears> a great bit of misdirection as well. It's like, oh, I don't even care how much it costs anymore. I have <laughs> already got this carrot in the background. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Carrot. <laughs> so, so so I did this, game. as I said, Ben at the Comedy Cow, Ben mm. and Steve, put on a gig for me in Stony Stratford, which is local to me. And I had a lot of friends and family there because, you know, we, we'd said, this is your chance now. I've been doing all that. They all knew what I'd been doing. Now's your chance to come along, see it, and we, and we packed the room out. Mm. So my wife was there and her dad had come up from Devon to come and see the act. i just started doing that bit in my stand-up about the blowjobs, right? And, Brilliant. <laughs> and i started this story, but then comp- genuinely, because it was a new bit, I forgot where it went off to. Yeah. So, I never got onto the blowjob. I just started talking about how annoying it is when your wife comes home and yeah. says, Get so much, pay for this, get so much. So, I did the first bit of the sort of routine. Mm. But never got onto the blowjob bit. But it turns out afterwards, she'd been sat in the audience, knowing what's coming, <laughs> sat <laughs> next to her dad, going, "Don't fucking say it. Don't That's say great. it. Don't say it." Uh, That's great. And it wasn't. And I got up and, and um, did like a little interview bit to the camera for the documentary. My brother's like, "Did you edit that out deliberately? Did you realise what was going on?" And I said, "No, I just forgot it, man. I just have no idea."
0: You were so connected yeah. to wife. She's like, "You better not." She's like, "Oh, doing the." Uh, Professor X thing, you know, just blocking your mind out. No, you will not
1: say blowjob, my dad is here. But I just dashi- I assumed that she had said to him this is, you know, there's a bit that he does, but, you know, you're not to hear it. So we got really pissed after the show. I went home and went, you know that bit I wasn't supposed to tell you? It was this. So I told him the joke anyway. That's great. But, oh, that's great. <laughs> but, uh, that's great. I would he laughed anyway, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's fine, isn't it? He's great. He's a really good guy, actually. Yeah. He's massively into stand-up. Oh, brilliant. And we've spent a long time over the years kind of talking about I introduced him to Stuart Lee. He loves Stuart Lee. Great. And because it's very much his kind of politics and it's very much his kind of attitude. But yeah, load of Bill Bailey, mm. Rob Gilbert, you know, mm. there's loads of comedians that we have a shared kind of love of. Um, so it's really good. He's been massively supportive and, and um, mm. not that he would ever say it because yeah. I came on, he was like, You're a <laughs> You were shit. Because there was a bar next to it, there was a yeah. bouncer on it. The, par- uh, the bouncer at the bar came over to me at the end and was like, That guy, your father in law. He said you were a nine out of 10, but he said not to tell you. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I'm great. really pleased with
0: that. That's great, man. Yeah, that's it. It's not often that, you know, your, your, the father in law encourages the son in law at all. It's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's not funny. They always come around, just, you know, even if you're putting a shelf, ah, shelf, that's a shit shelf, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll fix it for you.
1: Yeah, That's He wasn't going to say anything complimentary Ooh. to me. Yeah, no, That's I'm good. not getting it. No, he can. He's, like, he's got
0: to. Keep, he's got to remain the, the dad, is not he? The, the alpha of his in his mind. Absolutely. You know, but he can't give up that power. But <laughs> is the, uh, has he tried to kind of help you with the, any jokes? Has he tried? He must have tried. Has he? No,
1: no, no, no. You no I don't. I don't think he would. He, he is quite. Funny. He is quite funny. Mm. The best bit that I had that was getting comedy out the first because that was the second time he seen me. The first time he came to see me, because his name's Dick. I, I've made some joke <laughs> about it. easy, it? yeah, yeah. Like, oh, So i made some joke about uh, yeah. about how I talk about my wife. And I should say I'm happy married because her dad's here. Yeah, and I said, every, no, he is. My father-in-law genuinely is here. Everybody say hello, Dick. Yeah, and they all went hello, Dick, and I went. His name's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and he, all I could see was him just saying, you all his great.
0: <laughs> is that your
1: wife's moms still around as well, or? Uh, she she doesn't really she doesn't come up this way uh, up to Devon. She's she's not been very well, so she doesn't she doesn't get out and about so much. Okay. Yeah. And about your mum and dad, do? they come see you? They haven't come to see... No, they haven't. They're coming to Edinburgh, though.
0: Oh, that's um, even more pressure, right? So I think
1: that... Yeah, I don't... I might ask them not to tell me when they're coming. Hmm. And just... I don't know if that Their would be... Right sort of, yeah, <laughs> just see <and> them. <laughs> but I was a bit
0: more... Concerned. Take those and glasses. So yeah. that, I don't know who these people are, you know, they're sitting quite close. They seem to be very encouraging. But, you know, that's it's funny. I,
1: I did show... I showed them the video of that night, though. Yeah. And, and so they've seen you know, the bulk of my material, Mm. I was a little bit worried. There's a few things that are a little bit, you know, I had quite a straight-laced upbringing Mm. and uh, very Christian parents and and, uh, my dad was a magistrate and things like that. And there's a few bits in my comedy about how I've maybe pushed the boundaries a little bit. Mm. I was a little bit worried about some of the things I was talking about. they, They were very supportive and they found it funny, so that was good
0: and when you wanted to do drama what did how did that go down did that go down like a lead balloon
1: oh no, no that, they were very i mean it's been since a very early age OK. i was literally they took my they're quite into the theater as well they right. massively into the theater so my love of theater comes very much from them taking me when i was a kid and they took me to the west end when i was when i was sort of 6 years old mm. and i came out of the theater and and can still remember coming out of the theatre and going, that's what I want to do. Well, wow. and I know that kids kind of do that and they they go through. But it just stuck and it was it just stayed. Um, and it was something that I pursued. And my mum had said to me, you know, there was all sorts of things. Oh, I played football for a bit. I learned to play the violin mm. for a bit. Mm. It was things that I picked up and dropped and did, mm. you know tried out like kids do. They have a go at different things. Uh, martial arts, for you know, just what little things. Arts? Aikido. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Aikido. Yeah. 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 It's it's like well, way so. off on a tangent. Yeah, there was there, there, there's two types of Aikido. Apparently. There's like a traditional sport of Aikido, and, and then a, a sports type. So the, we, the club that we went to was like a traditional mm. long club, but they, they ran events where you got sent away for the weekend um, to go and do Aikido and a bigger mm. deal. So I went on one of these weekends, and I was the only kid that went to like the traditional club. Oh, no. And they were all doing this completely different... It's a completely different brand of martial arts. Yeah. And they were like... So I've got my belt. I've worked my way up to whatever it was. Blue belt by then or whatever. And they're like, yeah, just do this. And I'm like... I don't what know what you're I've got no idea what you're talking no. about. I've got no idea. Yeah. And just spent the whole weekend like some dickhead who didn't no. have a clue what he was doing. Oh, no. But had just got a belt. Yeah. And put it on and gone, yeah, I can do this. Because that's what it looked like. Hmm. But then there was one session on... The, the, the brand of Aikido that I did, and all these kids were like, What? And I'm just chucking them around. Oh, great. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. great. Got my revenge.
0: Yeah, that's it. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Drops belt, walks off. Yeah, yeah nice. exactly. Yeah. What's your mum do? What was your mum into?
1: She, uh, well, she was a teacher. Oh. Um, so yeah I followed in our but she taught primary and i tell you what she really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh it's only primary it. screw them. no it. do you know what? I genuinely I couldn't do it because when, when you become a teacher when you become like a secondary teacher and you do your training you have to spend a week working in a primary school the idea is you need to know where they've come from and what they're doing you know all that kind of stuff and I hate it like I couldn't do it there's no way I could work in a primary school it's just horrendous these kids Follow you and you around all day long and asking the most inane questions, like (laughs) you know, telling you stuff. And you go, Why are you like, why are you telling me this? My pencil's got a rubber on the end of it. Okay, good, go and do what you were doing. I'm not interested. That's it, just running interference
0: every second. Like, I'm just trying to do this thing here. Yeah! Wow, and you get the stamps. You got the little spider stamp, and the yeah, exactly. the stamp yeah. And stars. And everywhere. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's it's just, just really—it's like just hobby crafts, isn't it? It's like, oh, how a star. Oh, we got a star. Oh, well done. Oh, that's yeah. it. They love that stuff. Yeah. They love it. Crushing children's dreams with stars. <laughs> oh, but I got a silver star. How come they got a gold star? Okay, it's so a platinum star. Maybe we didn't. I don't know what platinum was back then, but that's it. It's crazy.
1: I think it's just more like, well, because I like them better than you. Yeah, that's you it. Know, that's why you didn't get the star. Yeah. Try and be a bit more likable, and then next time you'll do better.
0: First bit of judgment with the spider. The like spider's crawled all over the page. Oh, do they have that stamp anymore. I don't know if they do. What's that? The, the, the <laughs> subtle. The subtle. You've really done oh, shit at this work, work. Terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the spider yeah. stamp. And, oh, okay, like, with no, the sad, no, with a the spider with a sad face on it. You never had that. No, maybe it was just for me that one. <laughs> you broke it. You were <laughs> damaged as a child <laughs> from failure. It was like ah, oh, stab. I don't know why they put it on my forehead. It was really weird. It's like just <laughs> held me down. Some weird tattoo. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to your uh, your brief career in acting. Okay. So what, really, okay, really the, the bill. What were you in the bill?
1: Oh, it was like, it was literally an extra. Mm. Right? Uh, but I was really pleased with it. I was delighted with it because. Uh, the, the the story was that we were in this snooker hall and I was 15 years old and we bunked off school mm-hmm. right, to play snooker and then the detectives had come bursting into the snooker hall and they wanted information from the, the snooker hall boss and they basically said, the guy said, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know what you're talking about, And the policeman turns around and goes, all right, and I suppose you don't know why these lads are in here who shouldn't be here and blah, blah, and if you don't, then I'm going to... Basically, we became part of the story because he was going to report the guy, so he gets the information that he wants because we're in his... so I was at fifteen I was like delighted that, mm. you know, I'm not just it. I'm not just one of the other extras. Mm. I'm an important extra who's part of what a wanker, right? I'm a feature. But, but, but yeah. they treated us a bit like that as well. So mm. the guy playing, it was D C I don't know the actor's now, I can't remember the actor's name, but DCI SKASE. Right. And I used to watch the but my dad used to watch the film mm. a lot, so I was delighted to be in the Bill. So he was like and the other extras were being a bit noisy on set. And I remember being stood next to him, and him turning around, going, "Shut up, you cunts!" <laughs> like this, <What? laughs> and then being like, "We're all right." And him yeah. and I playing a game of snooker between shooting because we were in the snooker hall, yeah. and me beating him at snooker between shooting, and just being like, "Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. I've made it now." Yeah, <laughs> how wrong I was. So, what was the first role? Yeah, the we very got? first. Okay, so the first professional job I got was to do an advert for Dr Pepper. Oh yeah, nice. And it was, because med- again, I was it, was, it wasn't long before the bit, so I was about, I can't remember if I was 14 or 15, I think I was 15 years old, just turned 15, and I went along to this audition, and what had happened, well, I'd been, again, long convoluted story, the, the agent that I had was, we, we went to a local part-time theatre school, and they basically took all the kids from the theatre school mm. onto their agency, and said, we'll put, we'll put you all forward for work, great. Mm. But they really, but they didn't, to be honest, they didn't put us forward for very much, Except that one day somebody had dropped out of going to an audition and they needed a 15-year-old lad, but at like two hours' notice to, to go into London and do it. So I got this phone call saying, can you do it? And I got pulled out of school. I thought it was great. I got pulled out of school, taken down to London to go and do this audition. Didn't get the job. But the agency obviously thought, all right, well, you know, give him, give him his due. He helped us out of a tight spot. Somebody's dropped out. We'll give him a second audition. Mm. And the second audition I got was this one for Dr Pepper. Mm. So I walked into the room, 15-year-old little skinny white kid. It was full of, like, 20-plus black blokes. Mm. All six foot three, all sorts of stuff. uh, And me and one other white kid. And I'm like, why am I here? Like, why am I here? This is not the casting for me, surely. And I I remember them going, right, okay," because... Castings for commercials are weird. Mm. Like they're just weird. Sometimes they ask you to stand on the spot, look at the camera, smile, and then they go, "Thanks very much, mm. see you later." Yeah. Sometimes they have weird stuff for you to act out, and they want you to do it at no notice. And then mm-hmm. they say, "Can you do it with a bit more yeah. work?" And you go, "Okay." <laughs> um, so this was. This was. Can you imagine you're being chopped up with a chainsaw? <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do it with a bit more humour. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. But whatever it was, it, that wasn't even the advert. When I think back to the advert, we weren't being chopped up with chainsaws at all. Mm. So why they had us doing that, I don't Just know. It's a bit funny. <laughs> after lunch, after you go, this guy, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to mess up,
0: up with this guy. <laughs> yes, this is exactly. going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, We've do? already chosen the guy, but we're going to run out the
1: clock. You know, that's it. That's funny. So I walked <laughs> out of that guy and there's absolutely no chance of having got that. Mm. Job, but I got it. And then, so from there... Um, I think the agents were like, "Okay, he's he's, you know, obviously yeah. going to make us a little bit of money." So I got sent on. I was probably doing at the, the best bit. I was going down to London two or three times a week, going on auditions, and I picked up a couple of bits. And it,
0: okay, what was the what was the fee for the Doctor Pepper? If you don't want me asking, uh, so this is like back in the day, and it was uh, okay, big money. Yeah? yeah, no, yeah,
1: it was. Oh, I got so much stick over this from my mate. Why so? Uh, because I tell you what, it was after the agent had taken their bit, and the, you know they get oh, taxed right. on it, and all that kind of stuff. I think I got 860 quid something like that for a day's work right and I was like this yeah. is
0: brilliant exactly
1: so I bought a guitar that I couldn't play yeah. I thought like so much shit that, that was just ridiculous yeah. I think there was this massive like polystyrene aeroplane that yeah. was supposed to fly oh, 300. because I was just like oh yeah, this is exactly. never going to win yeah exactly I've made it <laughs> I'm going to buy luxury items
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy myself some new friends <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah exactly great. Great. so uh, in about three months I, uh, you know oh, just, just spent gone. this money on shit that yeah. I didn't need and then obviously there was nothing more there was no more it oh, never no. it never came back there was no more after that yeah. and you know that Pepsi ad
0: I, I did one of the auditions for it that Pepsi ad when there's these guys they doing Kung Fu and they're all these other people are dressed in black and they're moving him around the, the scene yeah, yeah, and they're like, pretending to like jump and fly through the air and all this, and people are just lifting them up and doing all this stuff, right? Okay. And things are being thrown, and someone in, dressed in black is moving it. And you can see this whole thing go off. <laughs> but right, now, I'd never done any acting, right, ever. And I, I, I did the of That's what the martial arts that I did, okay. right? And uh, I got to my first stand, and you know, I do I just do train occasionally, but it was like the, the thing was with this thing, it's like, right, okay. So you go up, and as you say, you look around you at these auditions and go... These guys are more likely going to get it than I am. I am like nowhere near as a qualified as there's one. But at the time, there was only three or four people there um, in the in the casting room, yeah. and everyone else was outside. And I we was talking like, "Oh yeah," he did. and one guy had like a a samurai uh, like corded like what jacket I don't know what he was carrying maybe it was a really big pen because he wasn't carrying that around (laughs) London and like he was in there right and I was like yeah I've done like four years in you know Kung Fu and and all this I'm like okay I'm just with traditional shoulder can here guys okay you know so karate yeah great and so so I think I went up second thank God right the first guy went up I need to just try to be better than that That that's fine and uh, so I went up and did my thing and it was terrible and like then they like I've got no idea of any sort of like acting focus screen. this is the thing you're supposed to be looking at. this is the the Pepsi's cans there, and you have to do like a thing it was like, oh, and it's something like drop the can evil water, something like this, something yeah. really cheesy right yeah, and I, <laughs> looking back, I've just been totally cross eyed for this <laughs> for this close up that they're doing, you know, because I was trying to focus and the yeah pepsi, I've got nothing to focus on. I was just imagining the focus you know I to just keep the eyes there, but I was like you know totally cross eyed the whole thing, and anyway. I, I looking back, I see that now. But like the the guy who went on third, and he he said, "Do you mind if I take off my t-shirt?" And the guy was built like the Incredible Hulk. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. every sinew right? was just like you know. The, he breathed it, it like it flexed. You know, and I was like, oh, "Okay, right. Why did we have to? Why Why could you just put him on first? Yeah. You know, and then so we watched him do his thing, and he was doing like." The, you know the horizontal spins you know the, that, that kind of thing you see in like Kung Fu guys yeah do. yeah and then he did the one handed uh like handstand when he kicks right up in the air and all this gymnastic. This is his credentials. Five years of gymnastics, ten years of kung fu. Uh, I, I'm also a samurai uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and a ninja, and a ninja. Uh, yeah, yeah. in my spare time. That, yeah. that is exactly it. And so he did that. And so they were like, you can see the director go, uh, walked up to him, shook his hand, and goes, "We will call you," you know. And it was just like, uh, okay, right, okay, we'll just get go get, get my coat. But and it was one of those things. I got on the tube and I was living in Wolverhampton at the time. And I got on the tube, and I was like, "Oh fuck, there they are!" You know, you don't want to see these people you yeah, auditioned with, cause yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I just I don't, I don't want them to look at me. I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near because they've seen how badly I've done, and I've seen how amazing they've done." But I saw this same guy who got that audition, who was actually in that in that advert for Pepsi. He was also on the BBC. I don't know if you've seen the one when they're doing the their skate couple couple guys skateboarding, and they they. Oh, and do that, yeah. You know, flip over a yeah, 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 table, that, the guy in the middle, the, the okay. shake head guy, that's him. that's him. And I was like, holy shit, he was incredible. <laughs> I was like, so embarrassing. Oh, you yeah. get some
1: the, the worst audition I had, right, it wasn't for TV or anything like that, it was for going to university. Mm. And um, oh, maybe, maybe this is the beginnings of me being still in an audience and just being, being in front of an audience and being a dickhead and thinking that that's funny, right, because we had to do all these group auditions. I'd learnt my i my monologue that I had to do, and what was I it? think there was a couple. What was your monologue? Um, I, do you know, I genuinely can't remember. It was about a guy whose wife was dying. Anyway, yeah. So I did, I did. Did you cry? I've done you the monologue. to cry? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't. I, looking back, it yeah. must have been, but it, you know, it it was all right. I think it had gone all right, and mm. I had to do that and a Shakespeare. I think I did the Macbeth, and Macbeth monologue from. You know, when, he, when he's just realised what he's done, mm. he just walked out having murdered these, and he realises what he's done. And it had gone okay. Mm. Uh, and, and the woman said to me, and I said, So, uh, I'm sorry, that was very interesting. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you play any musical instruments? And I didn't. Mm. I, I was uh, rubbing it. And I thought, I can't just say no, because this is going on. So, having <laughs> an audience I went,
0: yeah, I'm shit hot on the recorder whoa confidence. <laughs> that's confidence shit heart as
1: well amazing but amazing. I just like it got a laugh mm-hmm. and everyone sort of go for it yeah. and I watched her draw a cross next to my name no. and I was just like and this was the uni I really wanted to go no. to as well it was Bretton Hall up near Sheffield um, and I'd spent ages desperate to get on this course, and it just came out, it just came out of my mouth, thinking, you smart ass
0: Pumped from the audition. Yeah, right? yeah, so, it's going really well. Yeah. So,
1: oh, look, the crowd, oh, look, they that think it's me. really funny. Really.
0: <laughs> yeah. Watch this one.
1: <laughs> it <laughs> was just oh, like, oh, shit.
0: That's it. Classic clown syndrome. Yeah. That's it. No, yeah, no, I'll do anything for a laugh. That moment, we're in the moment, this is going to... I don't care what happens after this, but I'm going to get a laugh at this moment. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That's funny. Auditions. How many auditions had you done? Do you even know for for, for unis for, or for, like uh, for for unis?
1: Yeah, it was probably third or fourth out of right. the, other, mm. the other. I went up to Edinburgh. I went up to Edinburgh for <laughs> for uh, an audition, but it was a proper classic. 18 years old, mm. away from home for sort of the first time. Went up there on my own. My parents had paid for the flights and all that kind mm. of stuff, which was lovely, and. Uh, I was staying in a hotel the night before, because the audition was at 9 o'clock in the morning, so there was obviously no chance of getting up there on the day from from Mount Keen. So I stayed in this hotel the night before. Didn't really know anyone, didn't know where to go, so I did a real kind of clichéd sit at the bar and tell the barman your life story... Like, at 18 was not was not very much yeah, <laughs> was yeah. A yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but drinking like drinking pints and drinking pints and then mm. and then going oh I'm bored of pints so getting onto the Jack Daniels oh, the nice. night before a massive audition. audition that's really really important for your future and I was just shit faced mm. and I went upstairs I probably haven't told my parents this after mm. they paid for me and go up mm. there so you know what Edinburgh's like, Mm. it's really hilly, Mm -hmm. so the hotel was at the bottom, the university was at the top of the hill, had to do this 15 minute walk, with the worst hangover in the world, uphill, got there, and then they sat us, it was awful, they sat us in a room, Mm. for five hours, waiting to go in an audition, Five hours went. To go, I went outside for a cigarette, and one of the people who ran the course came out and was like, "You're going to have to give up smoking mm-hmm. if you come here." Oh, whoa! Well. Uh, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, "I'm not sure that." And, I'm not and drinking, or you know, yeah, yeah, the, the I, cigarette. I, the I don't think you quite understand <laughs> why <what, what laughs> I'm coming to uni. it. Yeah, and they were sort of your body as a temple kind of Yeah. I'm deep fried cigarettes. Totally, exactly. <laughs> so, oh. after, after five hours of sitting in this room, I went in to do the audition, and it was, as far as I can remember, the only time ever that I've been performing where I've completely dried up, like completely mm. forgotten where I, like, like forgotten mm. everything, not yeah. been able to think about the light. Like, and I had to say to them, and I hate this, and it mm. drives me nuts because. I had to say, can I go back and start again? But mm. uh, and I didn't, I got through it. But I just mm. walked out knowing full well, mm. this I've blown this, yeah, there's yeah. no chance. And then my flight wasn't until like 10 o'clock at night, oh, yeah. so I had to sit around like waiting, just dwelling on the fact that I'd absolutely ruined any chance I had mm. of going to either of the two oh, universities no. by now that were mm. going to be the ones for me. Mm. So you ended up going to uh, which one? Oh, so I, went to, so I went through... In fact, I, you know, I was talking about this to the, to the kids that I teach today. Mm. I went to Manchester Met University, but oh, I went yeah. through clearing. I was talking to them about how like, little decisions that you make or little things that you do can have a massive impact later on down the line. So, yeah, it was kind of like, well, I've messed up my, my auditions, I I'm not going to go to drama school this year. Probably will wait until next year. And then literally the day after my A-level results which again was a massive drunken session Mm. that lasted a number of hours. And I woke up the day after my A-level results at 7am with my dad coming into my room and just going, so you haven't got a place at uni, going to get a job? Mm. And I was like, Mm. shit, it was the best thing he ever could have done for me because I was like, "Um, okay, yeah, I might have a look at the clearing places and see what's out there. And he went, okay, well, one or the other, do something. Mm. You know, and it it was just really clear Mm. what you're not going to do is spend time in my house without a job, Mm. without some kind of direction, with nothing to do. So I went and I looked for courses and uh, found one. Me and a friend of mine were writing a sketch show, Mm. and I found this course through Clearing at Manchester Met that was drama and creative writing as a joint honours degree. Great. That's perfect. That's exactly what I should be doing. Mm. So I did, I went off and did that, but (laughs) I I rang up the university and I said, they said, why do you want to come here? Ah, mm. uh, oh, because I picked it off a list, right? You can't say that. So I went, oh well, you know, I'm, I'm I live in Mount Keynes at the moment. You know, I'd love to come up to Manchester, big city, thriving, mm. and blah blah blah. You know, it'd be fantastic. And the woman went, I do need to let you know, sir, that actually we're in Alsager the Alsager campus, which is about thirty miles outside of Manchester, mm. nearer to Crewe. So you know, that's not. And I went, that's right. I come from a small town, Newport Pagnell, just outside Milton Keynes. I'll be fine. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you whatever you yeah, want. That's I mean, because my dad's going to make me get a, the yeah. truth was because yeah. my dad's going to make me get a job that's if it. I don't come here. So yeah. please, can I come? Yeah. I went there and I met my wife at university. Oh, so you know, all these little this is what I was saying. Forget all these little knock-on things, mm. then have an impact that can change your future. Yeah, and so what did your wife do in college? Yeah, <laughs> so she did drama and creative writing. All oh, right, uh, but she, and she is also a drama teacher now. Okay, uh, but she. Wasn't there in the first year, so she moved up to Manchester because her boyfriend at the time got a job in Manchester. She was at uni down in Devon, hmm. and yeah, she moved up to be with him, and I kind of nicked her off, off her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, we, we ended up getting together off the back of that, so that was great.
0: Both around the teachers, right? Yeah. So that must be really difficult when it comes to going kind of go, okay, Darren, well, I've got this, this script, okay, I'm just going to... Do you ever show your script to your wife, or do you just not go through that serious pain of, of
1: <laughs> the stuff that yeah, I'm trying to
0: you right you've got to go
1: okay well what do you think of this or okay so she would very clearly say that she is a teacher sure right? and I would very much say I'm a performer yeah. and and she's not interested in performing herself or things like that yeah. she wants to be in the classroom and she loves that but she obviously knows what she's doing in terms of performance so I, I will say <laughs> what usually happens is I'll try out some material and she'll sort of look at me <laughs> like yeah. this and then I'll go that's fucking funny. What are you doing? That's funny. <laughs> just try and convince her that
0: it's funny. Well, I know, look. look, I, look I, get, I totally get it. Because I'm asking you, because like, I, I just started running night, right, in, just in Hemel. And it's, it's, it's a really lovely, lovely little gig. It's only 30, 30-odd people there, right? But the first night, my wife was there, and I was <laughs> emceeing, and it was so difficult. It's yeah. like, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. I know I'm a great emcee. But when my wife was there, I'm married, to this guy. Yeah. This is all this pressure you're putting. You're putting your life into that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Look, look, you're there. I'm great when you're not here, but I'm so self-aware uh, of what I'm saying and not not. What I'm the, the yeah. yeah and that you're there. That it's just it, it's worse. I don't care who else is in the audience, but because you're in the audience, it's making me so tense I'm, and I'm worried. Exactly, you know. And so, so taking material to them is like that, isn't it, you go. Uh, what do you think of this oh it's fucking funny, funny. and you <laughs> stamp off <laughs> you don't know <laughs> what <laughs> you're doing you don't know what you're talking about you don't
1: know me <laughs> she's come twice to gig and both yeah. times they've gone really well yeah, so I hadn't even really thought yeah mm. god man yeah because the thing is as well like there's there's quite a lot of stake for, for me because because I'm doing this so much on fast forward as I said mm-hmm. before She's had to massively pick up the slack. Like mm. she's had to massively deal with looking after the kids yeah. and me being away all the time and all mm. that kind of stuff. Which I guess is the, the experience for loads of comedians, mm. but it's just felt like it's not that we've built up into that. I just threw her into it. Yeah. And actually when I first thought of doing this, I thought about it in August. The festival was obviously on at the time. I mm. probably I don't know, I'd probably read something about the festival. something had triggered it in my head. Mm. And I said to her, look, I've got this idea that I want to do. What I'm going to do is I'll I'll spend some time thinking about it. Next year, so 2017, I'm going to go up there and film a little bit of the festival and see what it's like. Then I'm going to spend a year learning it. And in 2018, I'll do the festival. I'll do it. And she went, no, you won't. She was like, no, you won't. If if you're going to do this and you're serious about it, you need to start now and Mm. just do it. Because either you'll overplan it and it will be shit mm. or you won't do it at all because you'll find reasons why you shouldn't do it and you'll talk yourself out of it. Mm. If you're going to do it, have my blessing, go and do it and get on with it. And I was like, that's fantastic. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Totally. That's amazing. So we did. We jumped on a plane, me and my brother and a friend of mine. Like seven days later, we were on a plane going up to Edinburgh. And we spent 24 hours running around filming comedians, meeting people, kind of trying to get a first five minutes of the documentary, kind mm. of going, This is what Edinburgh is, this is where I want to be a year from now. Mm. Uh, and then we were off from that's there that's great man that's yeah. great so, don't get me wrong I'm not saying my wife isn't supportive <laughs> but my wife is supportive and this
0: isn't a competition yet, yeah. but no, my wife is really, really supportive <laughs> she's really really. I, I think she's there she's about to give me a cup of tea right now <laughs> and biscuits no I get it every hour on the hour no. <laughs> every about a couple of years I'll bring her to a gig but they're the most tense gigs because yeah. you're like alright you know, has got to go well, around yeah. Yeah. and she's un- unbelievably critical which is great and and terrifying at the same time which is which is what you need really isn't it do, do, you, do you actually ask for the feedback after the gig
1: I haven't do you know what it's not so much her so she she's just been really lovely and really supportive the only feedback that I got from her was, <laughs> I, love the way was, I love the way you only
0: got like don't take joke in front of my dad <laughs> right right
1: but I take my brother and uh, yeah. ben from the comedy Cow to a lot of gigs right. and they really are they've like got no holds barred Great. they'll be like I don't think you should be doing that joke if you do, why are you doing that it's, it's not you know and they've been really really heavily critical but you know constructively critical mm. about everything that i've been doing and that has really kept me on track right And obviously as well, because we're filming so much, I mean, I don't film every gig because you can't film the same 10 minute set or 15, you know, every time, but filming so much has been really useful because I'm watching it back over and over Mm. again, constantly kind of trying to work out little bits and pieces. There's a guy called Oliver Double, Mm. who used to be a comedian in the 90s and now lectures Mm. at Kent University. In Canterbury, he did an interview for us. It was really fascinating. When I first had the idea, well, before when I first had the idea to do stand-up, working in my previous school, and I talked to a guy about it who was kind of my boss at the time, hmm. um, really supportive guy. And he just, when I, the moment I mentioned stand-up, he got up and he walked to his bookshelf and got these two books down uh, and just came handed them to me and went, they're for you. Right? And they were both these books by Oliver Double, who who had been a comedian, was now a lecturer, but wrote a lot about the topic so when I first thought of doing this project because I've read these books a number of times over the years like dipped into them and all that kind of stuff I got in touch with them and said I'm doing this project you're at fault for me doing this project because of these books that have kind of inspired me along the way would you give us some time to talk on camera and and all that kind of thing Um, and he did he came back and he was like yeah sounds fascinating I'll definitely do that so I went and met him in October when I was just starting out he was great I spent Ages on the way down, kind of working out what questions I wanted to ask him. I had about 10 questions Mm. that I wanted to talk to him about. Everything that he said, he would talk for two, three minutes at a time. And every time he did, just by pure chance, he naturally led on to the next question that I had planned that I wanted to ask Mm. him. And the whole thing was just fascinating. It was just Mm. absolutely brilliant. And he said... That because of the way we're going about it, because of the way they're filming everything and bringing people to all the gigs, he said you're so much more likely to make progress quicker. Mm. Because when you and he's right, when you're up there on the stage, you have a skewed idea of how it's going. Sometimes that can be that you think it's not going as well as it actually is. Sometimes that can be that you think it's great and it's not. Mm. So having those people who are there to give me honest feedback mm. a lot of the time has been massively helpful for making progress and, and being mm. able to improve. Yeah. Because you're not just coming away going, oh yeah, what was it? Because it, you know, it's, like, it's a bit of a blur mm. sometimes when you've been on stage, you're in that moment and then you come off stage and, it, and it's all a bit of a blur, mm. whether, whether it's been bad or good. Mm -hmm. so having somebody to say yeah this worked this didn't work try this why not do that they really liked it when you did this it's it's been great exactly it's great you just need another another couple of pairs of eyes and it really Mm -hmm. does help an
0: awful lot even just listening back to audio recordings Mm -hmm. you go oh what worked there okay what was my voice a little bit desperate there that one okay need to just read the back a little bit how did I start too desperate again need to just move it just allow them to come to me just don't run to them they will get on board eventually Depends on how long I've got, of course. Yeah, you know. But yeah. if I've got a, over well, ten minutes or more, well, then they can come to me. Yeah. But you know, five minutes, blah blah blah, bang bang bang, trying to get them on board as quickly as possible. Because by the time you get up there and said, no, you're off," yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but exactly. You don't have It's great you've got mentors about. and stuff. You know, that's brilliant, man. I mean, you, and if you had uh, Oliver Double on again, or have you? No, so I'd, I'd
1: like to. I'd like to probably go back and, and check in with him. I'd like him to see me perform and, yeah. and to, to, to give some feedback of on course. that. And talk about what he thought of that. That. Yeah. that would be great as part of the documentary. I don't know what his plans are if mm. he's going up to Edinburgh or anything like that. That'd be good to get him to, um, to, to, get to, get him to come way. along to the show yeah, and, and yeah. talk. But we met, you know, the, meeting people on the way as well. We talked about the people that have been helpful. I had some great interviews mm. with people along the way. So we we were able to sit and chat to James A. Caster. Mm. He was, I, I think, to be honest, he was a little bit sceptical at first of this guy who says, yeah, I'm going to go to Edinburgh, it'll be fine. And I understood that. I was quite worried, actually, when I first thought about this, that comedians would think, what an idiot. Like, you haven't got a clue, mate. You know, and actually be maybe quite insulted that Mm -hmm. somebody thinks it's all right to do this in such a short amount of time and and that it's just easy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think it was easy Mm -hmm. at all. I just was very aware Mm -hmm. that making a documentary about somebody doing things the usual way Mm. perhaps wouldn't have been as interesting, as exciting as somebody who's got something at stake going, I'm going to do this in a really short time. Mm. But he was great, really, really, really friendly, really, really helpful. Dane Baptiste was Mm. another one who was really helpful, really lovely. Ollie Double, as I say. Mm. I've got interviews lined up to meet Stu Goldsmith, Mm -hmm. who I kind of figured, (laughs) I can't talk to all the comedians in the world, why don't I talk to the guy that's talked to all the comedians? <laughs> so I'm mm. going to go and talk to him and do an interview with him. You're like right, the condensed version of advice. Yeah, so look, exactly. Look what would you
0: look? You've talked to so many people now. What would you do? Tell in this me situation? what they say. Yeah, yeah would
1: we'll be yeah. good. And what that's you great. know? What, how do you condense all that down? You give what you an say? audio clip and said, "This is
0: what you need." Is there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> play this again and again. Yeah, exactly. This, this is all I'm here.
1: There's a lady called Ellie Gibson as well, who who's now on Go Eight Bit with Dara O'Brien Brian. Right. But she did an article for The Guardian about doing 100 gigs. I think it was 100 in mm. a year. But I kind of thought, you know, that idea of doing everything on Fast Forward, mm. I need to talk to her because she's been there and done it and done mm. been through that experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that as well. That'd
0: be great. you got some really uh, heavy hitters on your, your, for your interviews, though, which is great. You know, will give you more of a hook.
1: Hopefully. Also talking to people who... So we made quite... A, this, when I started out, I did, um, did a course at the, the comedy school in Camden. We did some interviews with the other comedians who were on that course and the other people who were just starting out and have kind of kept tabs a little bit on what they're doing as well. When we did that gig in Stony Stratford that we put on specially, we invited a load of them took up so that was 6 months into the process so we invited them to come and do spots on that yeah. show as well to kind of check in with them really yeah. and see who and some of them had done loads and were really into yeah. you know really into performing some of them had done like maybe 2 3 gigs in between yeah. and were it's like uh, it's it, but it, at the same time they'll be they'll be
0: uh, harrowing stories. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, there always is though. It's like
1: you gonna kind of see some people, and some people might just never do another gig. There was an Australian girl, Jen, who was on the course, mm. who was literally there because she was new to the country and she wanted a way to meet people, and, mm. and she thought this was a really nice way to get out and meet people. There was another guy who never even finished the course, who was there because he he had to do a best man speech, mm. and he was terrified about doing this best man speech, and he wanted some experience doing comedy. And I guess what happened was it was a six week course. He kind of got what he needed from it, mm. and went. I don't, I'm right. not going back. Yeah. I don't need to go and do the showcase. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I've got it. what I need out of this, and I'm and I'm moving on. And then there were a few of us who who sort of went. I want to perform as much as I can. <laughs> Get bitten. me up there, yeah. Totally bitten now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely. On it. That's it. Absorbing everything. I think you have to like if you're going to do it, you have to kind of throw yourself in. I don't think stand up would work, or I don't think you would make any progress doing like a couple of gigs a month. Mm. You know, you're not going to get anywhere. I think you have to be constantly on it. You have to throw yourself in at the mm-hmm. deep end to, to make that progress. Mm. So if you're doing two a month and you have a bad gig mm. and then you've got two <laughs> weeks to sit and dwell on it, you have to just get back on, don't you? If one doesn't go well, you just have to know, all oh, right, well, it's all right because I'm doing another one tomorrow night mm. or the next night and then everything will be okay. Yeah, And I think also and this may sound like the new guy doesn't know what he's talking about at all, yeah. sometimes you have to just let it go and mm. you can dwell on it as much as you like and go, what, worked? what didn't work there? Why didn't this work? And sometimes you have to just go, didn't work, like that night wasn't going to happen. It's not That's my it. night, it didn't happen. Yeah. Because I've looked back at sets that didn't go down as well as I'd hoped they would and had gone down better before and I really couldn't see... Too much difference mm. in what I was doing. I was, mm. and I just had to kind of go. Okay,
0: yeah,
1: that's it. It's not, not it your go. night. It's just yeah. not
0: your night. That's how it goes. Because everyone thinks it's going to be gold every single night. Yeah. It might be the same set, same delivery, different crowd not into it. Yeah, different MC, different energy. Something might have happened in the day. You know, there's so many different factors involved. But okay, give me an example of your worst. The worst show, like the not like the one. Of the uh, look, gigs said, well, no, the worst. Something horrendous the, has the, happened it, at the gig. It,
1: it, it wasn't so much. It was just the fact that it was was this open mic, as with a lot of open mics, it's just the other comedians really, there's no genuine audience there, it's just the other comedians. But also in this particular bar, the aircon was broken, Uh, so it was freezing cold in the room, cold in all senses of the word. (laughs) I was on in the second half, and at the break, all of the acts that had been on were like, fuck this. I'm going, I'm, I'm not staying around for this. So, you were left with half a dozen acts who all had sat through this not great first mm-hmm. half of mm-hmm. it all being you know cold and miserable and, mm-hmm. and everybody being a bit deflated. Mm-hmm. Then, kind of going, All right, well, all we've got left is each other to make that. Like, and it, just, I don't think I've ever talked for so long without any reaction mm. back. And what I should have done, I was still too new to it, what I should have done was used it as an opportunity to talk to the... Because the only thing that I did do was I came on, and I was like, well, thanks for inviting me on the world's shit as Stag do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just and just talking to them about the situation mm. seemed to it. But then I ploughed into my material they didn't give a shit what my material mm. was. They were thinking about their material or thinking yeah. about how, how they didn't want to be there. Exactly. But if I'd maybe try to learn a little bit about playing with the audience or interacting with the mm. audience and that cuz that's that's the next stage for me mm. is being comfortable going off script because i'm so new to it because i've you know i've got this 15 minute set that i can do if things aren't really working mm. i haven't got another direction mm. that i can take i haven't mm. got a oh well i'll just rely on that bit <laughs> i was doing 2 years ago that yeah. the, this particular audience mm-hmm. might like yeah I haven't got that right. in my locker, so i yeah. so just kind of like, strap in, <laughs> do your material, <laughs> if it's not working, mm-hmm. suck it up, yeah, and, yeah. and you know get through it. Yeah. Fortunately, there haven't been too many dying nights, there's been better and worse nights and things like that, mm-hmm. there hasn't been too many disasters. Mm, that's good. Biggest high and biggest low in the last, year,
0: well, under a year, eight months then. Of, uh, of well, the low, that, the, the low was that. The that night. That,
1: that's that's the only time. Right. That's the only time that I've left it. I rang my wife on the yeah. way back, and I and I said, "I'm sorry, I'm putting you through this." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm spending all this money going yeah. to London, blah blah. I'm not really sure why. Mm. <laughs> you know, just in that moment, yeah. I was like, uh, "Anyway," and she said. Don 't be ridiculous, you need to do another gig and you'll yeah, be fine and, exactly. and, and that's exactly what happened uh, hi um, there's been a few mm-hmm. i a couple of weeks ago I won comedy Gladiators in Bristol great, and that was nice because that was there's been some comedians on on the bill there that had been going you know quite a bit longer than I had, and it was a big crowd it was two hundred and fifty people in the audience great so i 'm told and it was an audience vote thing so to have to have won that. Was was really nice actually, um, just to get that kind of affirmation. All right, you, you, you're you're you know you're awesome. accepted right. alongside these people who have been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. We liked what you were doing, mm-hmm. and and it just worked. And obviously that's a that's a nice feeling, right?
0: For the validation, man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and obviously the one because the, the one that terrified me was this one that I keep talking about locally, where I had. I mean, it's. It, <laughs> You can, you can look at it two ways. It's easy to do well if you've brought 40 members of the audience along yourself, right? And, and it can be a good gig that goes well. But equally, some of the people that were at that gig wouldn't have hesitated to tell me if they thought it was a load of shit. Yeah. So I was quite concerned as well about how that night would go. And that was a real high, just, you know, getting through. And I did virtually, apart from the job, Jake. virtually all of my material mm. that night. And it all kind of worked all in one go. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, this is all right because I'm at that point, I'm six months away from Edinburgh. Mm. I've got half of my show, it's working, right. you know, I'll be, I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, That's it. and then since then, I've been like, oh, yeah, but that other 15 minutes to write is not that easy. Yeah, quiet voice in the head, quiet voice in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we can see you at Edinburgh. At half past seven
1: downstairs in Moriarty's, right? That's right, yeah. Great, okay, well, um, where can we else can we find you online and stuff? Okay, so uh, Facebook is Mark Row Comedy um, or A1 The Long Road to Edinburgh, uh, Twitter at Row 80 and Instagram Mr MrMarkWay.
0: Great, okay, cool. Man. Well, I hope it goes well, man. I really look forward to seeing you in Edinburgh because I'll be up there this year myself. Thank you
1: very much. And yeah, right, really we've well, really enjoyed it. Take Thanks for on in. the
0: show, man. And that was episode 45 with the very funny, the very new and the very likeable Mr. Mark Rowe. I hope you liked that one, guys. Go find him on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And he's doing a documentary called The Long Road to Edinburgh, which is sponsored by The Comedy Cow. He's taking all the stuff that he's learnt in the last year up to the Edinburgh Fringe And that show is going to be downstairs in Moriarty's at half past seven at night. That is downstairs in Moriarty's at half past seven at night for the Edinburgh Fringe, the full run. So go see him there. See what he's done in the last year. Go check that out. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Phonander. You can also come see my live stand-up gig dates on my website, which is Winterphonander.com, And the details of my upcoming previews for my show will be on that website, which is being created by friend of the podcast, Danny Clives. I'm also looking through the Guinness Encyclopedia, taking out as many jokes as I can and putting them up on Twitter under the title The Book Dad Read. Twitter handle for that is at Guinness Jokes. Now, this podcast, as I say, after the 50th episode, will be reduced down to once a month. And that'll be the last Wednesday of each month I'll be releasing a pod. Because I've got so much work at the moment, I can't commit. I've no minions, guys. If you know somewhere where I can get minions, amazing. But I don't have any minions at the moment. I'm recording them myself, I'm editing them myself, and it's just taking up an awful lot of time. So I'm going to have to reduce. I'm not going to stop, I'm just going to reduce. The next episode is episode 46. And this very funny man, he has got a background in digital marketing and journalism. And the guy knows how to write a show with a hook. It is the very funny and sometimes controversial Mr. Jay Islam for episode 46. It's going to be a great episode, guys. Uh, So that's it for this episode of the Comedy Defect podcast. We'll see you next week for episode 46 with Jay Islam.